have a seat. Well, I want to I continue our conversation today uh, on intimacy, this theme that we've been having over us as a church community for this past year. Uh, and I want to talk about what I would consider perhaps one of the most critical um, things that is involved, not just in your intimacy with God, but in particular, your intimacy with one another. I want to talk a little bit today about what that intimacy can look like with one another. And, and the topic that I'm talking about, I think, has probably the greatest power to impact a church community with the community in which it's planted in. So what we're talking about today has a significant impact into what it is to serve and to bless Hong Kong and the society around it. And not only that, but when you do what I'm talking about today well, when you do it well in your own life, it also has the power to bring you into deeper moments of freedom and joy uh, that you perhaps can't experience in anything else. This topic is really important. Uh, the topic is what I would call the subversive act of generosity. Now, I call generosity a subversive act because I think that's exactly what generosity does. When we're generous, whether that's with our resources like our time, uh, whether resources like our emotions, uh, resources uh, like our possessions, our material goods, uh, resources like our finances, whatever those resources might be, when we're generous with them, that has the power to basically subvert, uproot, overturn what I think is our natural human tendency to hold on to what we have at the expense of what others do not have. Are you following this? That generosity has this characteristic to it where it has the power to subvert this tendency that I think all of us humans struggle with to hold on to the things that we have at the expense of what others do not have. And when we move in the spirit and in the movement of generosity, what we're doing is we're subverting that tendency in our lives and we're then opening ourselves and those around us to some of the most profound and beautiful encounters and moments with the character of God that they can experience. Because God's character is to be generous. So when his people are generous, they're revealing something of the nature and the character of God to the world. And that can happen through some of the smallest acts of generosity as well as some of the largest. Uh, give me an example. About 30 years ago, uh, I, I became a Christian. So about 30 years ago, uh, I gave my life to Jesus. Uh, and then shortly after that, about a year into being a Christian, um, I, I was mentored by somebody who was a part of our youth ministry at that time. The youth ministry was called Saturday Night Alive. And I was being mentored by a guy called Doggin. And, and Doggin, for me in those days, and he still is today, he's like one of the most radical Christians I have ever met. Okay, Doggin like lives, eats, sleeps, drinks, and breathes Jesus. There's Jesus and there's Doggin and Andrew in those days was like way down the list, okay? Uh, I, I was a new Christian, didn't really know too much. Uh, one day he reached out to me and said, hey, let's hang out. Let's get together and hang out. And I thought that'd be great. Uh, I met him in Wan Chai, MTR. And as I met him, he said, okay, we're going to go into Southern Playground uh, and we're going to actually minister to the drug addicts and the street sleepers that hang out in Southern Playground. I'm a new Christian. I'm freaking out. I don't know how to do that. I've never gone out and done something like that. He's like, don't worry, it's fine. Uh, everybody will speak Cantonese. So I will speak to everybody in Cantonese. He, he's Chinese. He said, I'm going to speak to everybody in Cantonese. Uh, Andrew, your role is just to pray. 
I'm like, cool, I can pray. He's like, he's like, pray in tongues, pray in the spirit, whatever. Just pray whilst I share in Cantonese. So we go out to Southern Playground just along here. And uh, sure enough, we meet a couple of these guys. And it's quite obvious that they're either street sleepers or they're drug addicts just by the way they looked and uh, the, the way they were dressed and their face and everything. It, it was quite a sad situation. Dogan begins to share in Cantonese the good hope of Jesus with these people. And I'm there, I'm praying. And as soon as I start to pray, I hear God say something very specific to me. He said, Andrew, I, I want you to take off the cross that you're wearing, and I want you to give it to this man. Now, this is way before I had any idea that he knows anything about Jesus, is a Christian, or anything like that. I feel like God is saying, take off your cross and give it to this man. Now, that might sound like a small thing, but this cross had been given to me by Chris. Uh, we weren't even married at the time. I think we were engaged at the time, and she'd given me this cross as like a gift of our engagement. Uh, I had given her a ring. She'd given me a cross. This was a very, very beautiful thing. It was a very precious, personal thing for me, uh, and I was feeling like God was saying, give this to this man, this random man who I don't even think knows or, or has accepted Jesus into his life, and I'm like, I don't know if I can give up something that is so so sentimental and so precious to me to some random drug addict. I don't think that's what I'm going to do. But as I'm praying, God is impressing this on my heart over and over again. And so eventually I'm kind of like, okay, well, I'm a new Christian. I guess I better be obedient to God. And I said, okay, I'll do this. So now Doggan's been speaking to this guy over this time for about five minutes. And after about five minutes, he turns to me and he says, uh, have you been sensing anything in prayer? And so I said to him, well, actually, funnily enough, yes, I, I feel like God wants me to give this man my cross. Now, as soon as I said that, Doggin's face goes white. And he's like, oh, dude, he goes, you'll never guess what's happened. You know, I'm speaking to this guy in Cantonese. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm sharing Jesus with him. But the whole time, God's been speaking to me about giving my cross to him. And he said, you don't understand, Andrew, but my wife gave me this cross. And this cross means a lot to me. And he's like, I, I, uh, I said to God, no, I'm not going to give him my cross. And now you're telling me that God told you to give your cross. You should give your cross to this man. I'm like, that's so generous of you, Doggin. What a giver. So, um, so I figured I better be obedient. So I took off my cross, my precious cross that my wife had given me, my fiance. And as I, I held it out to this man, Doggins explaining what this is. The man unbuttons his shirt, and he's wearing this um, one of those um, kind of jade and gold Buddha, big Buddha uh, around his neck. And as the man decides to take off the Buddha from his neck, as he gets literally over his head like this, he starts to shake. And uh, this was the first time that I'd ever seen anyone manifest demonic, uh, do, do a demonic manifestation. And he starts to shake, and he starts to shout in Cantonese, and and Doggin begins to gently, you know, talk back with him. And, and then he takes, Doggin takes my cross and puts it over this guy's neck. And honestly, as it went over his neck, almost at the same place that the medallion came off, as the cross went over, peace came over him. It was one of the most profoundly beautiful things I had ever witnessed. And Doggin begins to pray for this man. And the man's in tears. I'm in tears. Doggin's in tears. Doggin's feeling slightly guilty because he didn't give up his cross, but... <laughs> But uh, I was the good Christian in that moment, so I was in tears. And I, and I learned that day that there's a subversive act that happens when we're generous, that there, there's something that gets dislodged in us when we do it. And I think it's this tendency of moving against idolatry, 
It's this tendency of, of I think we all have uh, with the things that we have in our lives, the resources we have, we want to hold on to those things and we want to grasp a hold of them really tightly. And when we release them, we release the the grasp that those things have over us. Sometimes we don't realize that when we grasp a hold of our possessions really tightly, what's really grasping is not us with them, it's them with us. That's the idolatrous nature of these things on our lives. And our act of generosity is a way of doing two things. It releases that idolatry from us. It releases that grip that those things can have on us, but it also releases the gospel outwards into the world. Does that make sense? So I want to talk to you about generosity a little bit today and link that a bit to our intimacy uh, with God. And I want to start by, by telling you that there's no surprise that I'm doing this after Chinese New Year last week. Chinese New Year, where Ellison so eloquently told us that the main thing that we say at Chinese New Year, Gong Hei Fa Choi, is actually hope you get rich. Are you with me, church? It's not a surprise, therefore, that God would say, let's talk about generosity the next Sunday. I hope you get rich if it means you'll be more generous. Amen? Here's something I've noticed, though. Oftentimes when we get richer, we get less generous. And I want to talk a little bit about that with you here today as well. Let me give you some thoughts biblically, a theology of generosity to start with. The Bible is very, very clear that that every single resource in this world comes and flows from the same source, and that is God. In other words, everything that we have ever received, creation itself, all the way down to every dollar that is in your bank account, every time that you have, the emotions that you have, everything that you have in your life, the Bible's very clear, that all comes from the same source. It all comes from God. Now, I want you to think about that this way. If God, if everything that you have, all the resources in your life have come from God, then God is the most generous being there has ever been. If all of our resources are from God, then God in his very nature is generous, right? His heart is to give. This is a really important thing. His heart is not to consume and hoard. His heart is to release and give. That's the very nature of who God is. If everything comes from him and we have received, that means God has released and he has given. His generosity means that we have something that we can therefore be generous with. This is really important because a lot of Christians think that generosity is a moral imperative. What I mean by that is moral imperative means it's an ethically good thing to do. We think as Christians, we should be generous, whether that's to a charity, uh, whether that's to our church with our tithes and our giving. We think generosity is linked to some morally good thing to do. It's morally right or ethically right to give stuff to the people who are in need. The Bible never says that that is at the heart of what generosity is. The Bible talks about that, but it's not the heart of generosity. The heart of generosity doesn't flow from some moral imperative imperative, it flows from the nature and the character of God. In other words, we are generous because God is generous, not because it's some ethically right thing to do. We are generous because as Christians, we want to be and live and reveal the nature and character of Jesus to the world. Our generosity is part of our revealing and understanding the character and the nature of God. Therefore, generosity is not an act It is a response. Think of it this way. Generosity is worship. Because worship is a response out of what God has done for us. So when we are generous, we're not just fulfilling some moral imperative in the world, although, of course, it's good to give to those in need. We are actually worshiping in a response to who God is. In this way, 
Generosity is never an act. It is always a response. Therefore, generosity is a lifestyle. It should be something that flows out of us all the time. But again, what happens so often for us Christians is that we think about generosity as an act, a one-off moment. We think that generosity is a mission, one thing we should do, rather than a mindset, something of who we are. And if you keep generosity as a mission, a one-off moment, an act, there's always going to be a beginning and an end to your generosity. But if we flip that and think that generosity instead is a mindset, out of the response of the character and the mindset of God, then generosity can begin to flow in every aspect of our lives. We're not thinking, oh, I haven't given my tithe this month. We're thinking, how do I give of everything that I have to flourish what God has given around me? Whether that's my time, my energy, my resources, my talent, my possessions, and yes, of course, my tithe to the church, whatever it is, I want to give out of an overflow of a mindset that is committed to revealing the nature and the character of God in this world. In this way, God calls us to be a generous people, not a people who are generous. There's a big difference between those two things. The call is to be a generous people, not a people who are occasionally, sometimes, generous. There are too many Christians in this world who are occasionally generous. When the kind of church that I think Christ died for is a generous church, a generous people are people who have made that part of their lifestyle and part of their mindset and are living out of the overflow of everything being, how can I be generous in this moment? Whatever that moment might be. Are you tracking with this? Now, if this is all true, if that's a theology of generosity, what is the thing that enables us to do this? Or perhaps a better way of saying that is, what is the thing that stops us from actually being generous? Well, I think to understand how we live out a lifestyle of generosity rather than just moments of generosity, we have to understand the role that we have in the resources God has given us. I've already said, haven't I, that God has everything in his hands and God is the one who gives. Everything is flowing from the source of God. Therefore, God's role is ownership. That is not our role. But here's the number one mistake Christians make. We think we're owners of the things that God has given us. You are not an owner of it. I'm going to say that one more time. You are not an owner of what God has given you. Your role is not ownership. That's God's role. And as soon as you take ownership of the things that God has given you, you're playing God. That's a very dangerous thing. What will happen is you will end up controlling what you have because you think you're an owner of it. You're not an owner. God is very clear. The very first thing he says to humanity after he creates them, I talked about this two weeks ago when we talked about sex. In Genesis 1 and 2, he creates humanity and he gives them his creation. And he says, go and do what? Go and steward what I have given you. So our role is not owner of all the things that God has created, all the resources at his disposal. Our role is steward. You are to be a steward of God's resources. That's your role. That's what you've been called to. And stewardship is really, really important. Stewardship, it's funny. We think ownership is important and stewardship is... Stewardship is actually a huge responsibility. Think about this. If you are a steward of all of God's resources, here's the crazy thing. Your stewardship will either release more generosity into this world the overabundant flow of God's resources, or it'll release more poverty in this world, the inequitable distribution of God's resources. 
I'm going to say that one more time because I don't think anybody's getting it in this room. It's really important. Your stewardship, how you think about yourself as a steward, will either release more generosity into this world, i.e. the flow of God's resources, or you will create more poverty in this world because there will be more inequitable distribution of God's resources. So, so that stewardship is an incredibly important thing. How we steward will release or withhold. How we steward will mean that people will have an equitable distribution or not. How we steward will mean that things flourish around us or they won't. That's all around us. And so stewardship is the gateway to generosity. And if you think that your role as owner you're going to be way more frugal because here's what you'll think if you're an owner. If you're an owner, you'll think, what should I do with this? If you're a steward, you'll say, what would God do with this? Come on, church. If you're an owner, you're like, okay, what do I do with this? Because this is my resource to do what I want to do with it. If you're a steward, you're like, everything I have is not mine. It's God's. What is God's heart? What is God's character? What is his nature? How should I spend? How should I save? How should I provide for my family? That's a good thing. God wants me to do that. How do I provide for my family? How do I put money away for savings? How do I have nice holidays? That's all fine. There's no problems with that. But then equally, what does God say about those things? What does God say about my possession? What does God say about my my spending habits, because everything I'm doing here is on behalf of him. This is the parable of the talents. This is God, Jesus, describing this thing. Oh, there's this wealthy landowner, and he gives talent to his individual servants, and those that know him well take those talents and put them to good use and produce an abundance. Those that don't know him well and are afraid of him, they bury it. Are you with me? And he comes and he says, you who stewarded well because you knew me well, you get to enjoy my kingdom. You who stewarded poorly because you don't know me very well, you, you buried. And this is the connection between intimacy and generosity. The more intimate we are with God, the better stewards of his resources you'll become. When we understand his nature and his character and who he is, the better it is that we are to release those things into the world. We begin to understand how God would treat the money in my bank account, how God would treat the time that I have each week, how God would treat the talents and the gifts God's given me, how God would treat my emotional capacity that I have towards those around me. When I understand that I'm a steward, God's resources can flow. And my relationship with him, my intimacy with him, is the gateway to whether that's going to flow well or whether it's not. Intimacy and generosity are linked. Helpful so far? All right, I've got about five minutes left, which is really bad. Because I have about 15 minutes more. <laughs> is that okay? Can you hang, hang with me for a few more minutes? Because I, I actually want to go to Scripture, because you're probably thinking, like, is Andrew ever going to talk about Scripture ever? Um, so let me open up the Word of God. And this will just take about 15 minutes. But I want you to see here from Ecclesiastes something that is really important about stewardship. It says here in Ecclesiastes 4, verses uh, 5 and 6, The fool folds his hands and ruins himself. But a one hand filled with tranquility then two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Ecclesiastes is this beautiful writing. It's a wisdom literature in the Hebrew uh, scriptures. And, and it's a wisdom tradition where it provides provocative imagery and, and very extreme ways of talking to, to be able to explain or to understand the character and the nature of God. Let me read this to you again. The fool folds his hands and ruins himself. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil 
and chasing after the wind. When we read this in the English, we see that there are three mentions of the word hand in this passage. Uh, there is the, the, the fool who folds their hands. There is the one handful with tranquility. There are the two handfuls uh, with um, toil and chasing after the wind. In the English, we only have one ha word for hand, and that's hand. And so the translators translate it as, funnily enough, hand. Okay? In the Hebrew, though, What's going on here is really powerful, because in the Hebrew, there's about five different words for the word hand in English. Uh, in the Hebrew, three of those words are being used in this passage, and each of them is trying to communicate something really important about stewardship. So let me show you this in the Hebrew, um, and I want you, I, I've highlighted the three words there in the Hebrew uh, that are used here and translated in the English hands, uh, but each of those words, as you can just tell by looking at them, are very different words. They have very different meanings, and they help us to unpack what is being said here about stewardship. So let me unpack each of these really quickly. The first thing, oh, and by the way, to help you illustrate this, I've got this um, little box full of rice here, but I want you to assume that this box is like a, a picture of all the generous resources and all of the things that God has at his disposal. They're all the resources that are exposed before us at life, all the things that we could have in this life out of the generosity of God. That's what this represents. Now, the uh, wisdom writer says this. First of all, the fool folds his hands. The word there for hand is the word yad. And the word yad is used throughout the Old Testament as the word that means the mighty right hand. Uh, the word yad means might or power or energy. It's the word used throughout the Old Testament to talk about God's right hand at work for his people, his mighty right hand to save us. So the wisdom writer takes that idea of might and power, and he says, if you have might and power and resource and energy and gifts and talents, and you fold yourself and don't do anything with it, you're a fool, he says. So the fool takes the yard that they have, let's say this is all of their resources, all of your talent, all of your gifts, all the things that God has given you, the, the great stuff, the energy that God has put inside of you, and you just decide to check out of life, that is a fool, the Bible says. You've been given so much, and yet your posture is to fold your hands. And, and he says here, you will ruin yourself. And I, and I think, although it doesn't say it here, I think what he's also saying is you will ruin those around you as well. Because you're not flowing any of that equitable distribution of God's resource. You have yard your hands. You've folded them and given up on being generous, given up on anything. Maybe the modern term for this is the idea of lying flat. Have you heard about that recently? It's like, I got this great education, I've got all this stuff going on, blah, 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 but I'm just not going to bother. I'm just going to kind of check out of, of life. I'm going to fold my yard. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, I never do that. I work really hard. I'm exhausted all the time. I'm working really hard. I'm using my talents and my gifts. And you're thinking, like, I don't really do this very often. I tell you what, every single one of us at some point, we will do this to the opportunities that are around us to be generous. And I think there's a couple of reasons why we fold our yard. The first is that I think maybe we've taken a step out in faith in the past with our yard, with our power or our talent or our gift or the energy God has given us. We've taken a step out in faith with it, and it's not worked out. Or maybe people laughed at us. Maybe we tried that talent, or we tried to be generous with a gift, and people didn't accept it. Maybe they laughed at it, maybe they turned away from it, maybe they didn't embrace it how we thought they were going to embrace it. And we felt shame for that, we felt some embarrassment. 
Or maybe we gifted somebody with something and they just treated it like anything and that hurt us. Don't you know how much I prepared that gift? Don't you know how much I, I slaved for that gift and I gave that to you and you didn't want it or you just didn't treat it how I thought you were gonna treat it? I'm hurt by that, are you with me? Hurt, pain, disillusionment, that's gonna cause you to fold your yard. It's like, well, I tried that before, I'm not trying that again. Well, I gave to that person, but they didn't say thank you, so I'm never giving to them again. Are you with me? So hurt and disappointment and failure will cause us to fold our yard. I think here's the other thing that will often do it, and I struggle with this one. We think that what we have is not worth giving. We think like, oh, like, I mean, if you compared me to these other people, and if you looked at my bank compared to their bank, I mean, they're the ones that should be giving. <laughs> God knows how much I've got, and God knows I can't give. They should give, but not me. Or we maybe think, you know, like their talent is way better than my talent. I'm not going to sign up to worship. Have you heard Emma sing? <laughs> I can't sing like Emma. I'm just going to fold my arms and sit in the chairs. By the way, I'm now recruiting for the worship team. Just saying, <laughs> I'm just going to sit in the pew and fold my arms because have you heard her? Are you with me? So not only do we fold our hands because of pain and disillusionment and hurt, we fold our hands because we compare ourselves to others and we have insecurity and we think we have nothing to offer and we fold our yad. Following this? Then the Bible says this. He says, better to have one handful with, with, with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Uh, two handfuls here uh, is the word kofen. And kofen basically uh, means to grasp as to a fist. The idea would be like, this is all of God's resources that God has, and we as his people in the, in the stewardship of kofen, we grab a hold of what God has given us. Now, on the surface... Kofen looks great because we've taken responsibility. God has, we've, not, we've not laid flat and crossed our arms and gone, who cares? We've taken as much as we could and we're holding on for dear life. I mean, we've got God's, God's resources in our hands and, and occasionally those resources come out through those moments of generosity, but we've got a lot still in our hands. And we've got a lot in our hands because we want to make sure that we keep it in our hands. Because we think that it's a, a good steward to grasp a hold of what God's given us. And we think that this is the right way to go. Let, let me tell you this. We think that this is an abundance mentality, coffin, but coffin is actually a poverty mentality. It's a poverty mentality because although we think we've got a lot, and theoretically we do have a lot, we've got two fistfuls of all of those resources. The problem is we don't want to let go of those resources very much. And second of all, we can't really put more resources in. If you keep your hands fisted, it's really hard to get more rice in the hand. Are you with me? And, and we think that this is actually the right thing. God's blessed me and I need to take responsibility for the things that God's blessed me with. Absolutely, we should. But when we're a coffin, when our stewardship posture is this gripping and this grasping, all it really does is cause us to become owners and not stewards. It causes us to control the things. And every once in a while, we go to that event and we give, or every once in a while, we put something in the offering, and there's a little bit of generosity that comes out, but we've still got most of it for us. The wisdom writer says, this is toil and chasing after the wind. This is exhausting, the wisdom writer is saying. He said, this is what 21st century life is like. This is like the grasping and the getting hold of more and trying to achieve more and getting more because we're actually afraid that we won't have enough. 
And our fear of poverty drives us to grasp holder and tighter and more and more upon the resources that we've got. And, and, and the Bible says that's just going to cause stress and anxiety. You're going to be even more stressed than you ever were. And I tell you, this is interesting. My experience is the more money I've gotten in my life, the more stressed I've become. And we often think that if we had more, we'd be less stressed. And the Bible says, Two handfuls is toil and chasing after wind. If your posture and your attitude is kofen, to grasp a hold. Are you with me? So if it's foolish, if it's foolish to fold your yard when you've been given all this great opportunity, but it's also foolish to grab a hold of it as tightly as possible, and that's just stress and anxiety. Is there a better way? Well, the Bible says this. It says, <laughs> that's like one of those miracles. Mercy's coming out of the Bible. Um, <laughs> it says here, better one handful with tranquility. I love this. Better one rather than two. Better less than more and have tranquility, the Bible says. Now, the one handful here is the word chaf. And chaf is the picture of a hand open and palm facing upwards. The idea is this. The idea is that you have the resource of God in your hands, but that resource, because it's in an open palm like this, can flow out really, really, really easily. Now, if you're anything like me, if that's your posture, you're worried because if it keeps flowing, I'm not going to be able to have much left to flow with. But here's the amazing thing. When you're postured like this, God can come along and add more. And look at this. There's the flow that happens. We're going to have to vacuum between services. There's a flow that happens. Are you with me? The Bible says this is peace and tranquility. This is what it's like to have inner peace. When you are cough with the resources God has given you, your palm is open and God will keep blessing you. And as God pours into you and your hand posture remains open, you will continue to pour out. This is a river. This is a lake. This becomes stagnant and doesn't flow. But the Bible says this is what generosity looks like through the stewardship of cough. Better to have one hand open than two with toil and grasping after the wind. So as I bring it all to a close... Here's the question for you. Which of those postures is you? And if you're anything like me, you're saying all three. That there are moments where you know you've just given up. And you've just folded your hands and said, can't be bothered anymore. And there are moments where you have grasped tightly and you're holding on and you feel that stress and that anxiety. And there are moments, perhaps, where you are open-handed and you feel the inner peace and the beauty and the wonder of God when you're doing so, and yet you find yourself just going back and forth between the two. Are you folded? Are you fist? Or are you free? If you find yourself folded, here's what I want to encourage you to think about. What areas of pain or hurt or insecurities are there for you that would cause you to fold your hands so often? If you're fist, the question you should ask yourself is, why don't I trust God enough that I feel like I need to hold on to all these resources as tightly as possible because I don't think I'm going to get again? Why is trust an issue for me? And if you're open-handed and beautiful before him and you're seeing the flow of resources, perhaps for you it's just to be grateful and thankful 
that God is using you and can use you and continue to use you to bless those around you. Are you Yad, Kofen, or Kof? Because either or any of those will be whether you're a generous person or just simply a person who is occasionally generous. Helpful? Can I pray for you? Let's pray. Father, I, I'm so grateful for each person here and, and Lord, for what you're doing in their lives and, and for the generosity that is flowing from them. Lord, I, I just really want to honor the vine because as the senior pastor here over the last 10 years and been on staff for 15, I've seen the generosity of this church. I've seen this church be generous people time and time again. And Lord, it is an incredible thing to see. And so, Lord, I just honor each person here who has faithfully given to this church over so many years. Maybe those who are faithfully giving in this season. Lord, we are grateful for that. And Lord, we recognize that generosity that is already flowing here. Father, we also recognize that in our own lives, we have a tendency to, to move between different forms of stewardship. And Lord, I know that I have the tendency to fold my hand, my hand I have the tendency to clench, hold tightly. And so, Father, I want to pray that as we reflect around generosity in our lives, we would first remember, as I've spoken about earlier, that it starts with you, that intimacy with you has a direct impact on our work of stewardship and generosity. And that as the wisdom writer in Ecclesiastes shows us that it's better to have less but be open than to have more and be closed. That the path of peace is found in being open and generous. The path of stress is when we shift from a steward to an owner. And Father, I wanna pray for people here where that resonates with them. Perhaps there are some people here this morning where their posture has largely been one of folding in this season. Maybe there's been some hurt there. Maybe they've given and not been thanked. Maybe they've done something generous and it hasn't produced the fruit that they were hoping it would produce. Maybe they've even given to the church because they thought that that would mean that you would answer their prayer and you didn't do that and they folded their hands. Father, would you just come for any of us where that's the case? Would you comfort us and speak to us and heal us? For those of us that have compared our gifts or our bank accounts or what we have to others and thought that's their responsibility, not mine, Father, I pray you would shake us out of our complacency. Father, for those that are clenching tightly. Father, it's an easy thing to do when there's not a lot in the bank account, actually. To clench tightly. And you, of course, want us to be sensible and sensible with our money, sensible with our spending, of course. But Father, for those that are perhaps clenching too tightly and there's stress. Lord, I want to pray that your inner peace would flow, the tranquility that the writer speaks about here would flow. So I just encourage you just to take some time. I'm going to invite the worship team to come and lead us in a song, but as they do so, I want you just to take a moment just to sit in the reality of this and just allow yourself to have a conversation with God. Are you folded? Are you grasping? Or are you free?